Thanks for joining us for the Anti-Failure Podcast, where we talk with small business owners and share their stories of failure on the road to success. I'm your host, Chris Kendall, and joining me today is Sam Elam, Managing Director at Media Minerva's. Sam is a communications expert with a keen interest in issues and crisis management. Starting out in magazine publishing, producing six national titles, Sam is a communications expert with a keen interest in issues and crisis management. Starting out in magazine publishing, producing six national titles, Sam quickly found her passion for training and helping executives use great communications in high-staked situations. As Managing Director of Media Maneuvers, Sam combines her media and corporate communication skills to train clients to speak well. Sam has also won numerous industry awards, is a keynote speaker, and has been honored with the PR industry's most prestigious award when she was invited to be a fellow of the Public Regulations Institute of Australia. Thanks for chatting with me today, Sam. To get us started, Thanks, Chris. could you just give us an insight into your journey as a media specialist and small business owner? Oh gosh, that starts a long time ago, but uh, yeah, in fact, I, I, talking of failures, I did actually start as a failure because after school, <laughs> uh, I wanted to be a doctor like most of the people in my family are, and uh-huh. uh, I, I didn't get that score, did I? That, you know, <laughs> very high score. So that was a very big failure. So then I'm like, oh. Now what will I do? So I thought, I don't know, what should I do? And then one of my best mates at school did teaching. So I thought, yeah, that'll do me. If she likes it, I'm bound to like it. So off I went and did teaching. And that was uh, a big fail too because by the end of the final year of the degree, I thought, I don't want to be a teacher at all. I want to be part of the media. And uh, so I didn't change to journalism, but I did another degree, which was television and film. And uh, then I basically got some work experience with television and found my passion. So I knew what I wanted to do then. So that's how it all began. And uh, many years later, I'm here uh, as Media Maneuvers. I've been through different iterations with communications and PR and partners and not partners and ended up uh, here with Media Maneuvers uh, on my own and uh, doing the high-stakes communication for senior executives, which I love. Yeah, well, clearly it's a fascinating story. So you didn't like to be taught, then you thought you would teach, and then you thought it would be training. (laughs) Yes, isn't that the irony? I actually, (laughs) there is a great irony there. I do say to my clients, you know what? I actually started out life as a teacher, although I didn't even teach and didn't think that I liked that. And full circle, I'm back and loving teaching and watching people really see the light and understand that good communication is not that hard and it's a taught skill. So some people think it's a natural skill and some people are naturally good communicators, but most people can learn really good techniques and tools and skills to become a good communicator if they want to. And so give us an insight into some of those techniques or skills that you talk to your clients about and how you help them in that, you know, if, if they're facing the media or if they're facing questions from a hostile audience, what, what sort of things do you help them understand in the way that they have those discussions? Uh, first and foremost, it is don't be, try and be anything that you're not, be yourself but have a risk management around that, you know, depending what 
company, what government department or government organisation or not-for-profit, when you're dealing with the media and hostile stakeholders or an audience, there is risk management around it. So we teach our clients how to answer any type of question, actually, but stay safe. Because we're all about building and protecting reputation for people, for their own careers, but yep. also for their organizations and, and not making business. headlines. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So a bit like the Optus CEO, is that the one? That's an interesting topic to talk about. I yeah, think. it is. Just in terms of the, you talk a lot to us about transparency and how we help each other understand real information. And I think that that probably is a good example of where the stakes were high as an individual and as a business. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's about knowing who's most important in your world, in yes. your business world, in your organizational world, and who comes first as the top stakeholder. And for Optus, of course, it's customers. Yes. And customers don't like to be spoken to in a way that is almost you know, not lacking empathy. Now that yes, yes. is possibly not true, but again, it, what you see is what you get. So yes. the style of communication wasn't empathetic. And also the other important stakeholder in the Optus crisis was the government. So mm -hmm. clearly there's some antagonism between Optus and the government from the last crisis they had to this one. And yes. so there weren't many lessons learned and, and, and that's a problem, not learning lessons. I think for me, the one thing that I thought really landed hard was when she took the, the comments at the barber, that that's a job you could do without a mobile phone. What could you possibly hope to get out of that that's positive and help you with the reputation damage you're dealing with? Yeah. I mean, you know, that you can't. You have to know who your customers are and, of course, they've got a very broad base but you yeah. have to know what drives, what motivates, what excites, what your customers yeah. want to hear. And they don't yes. want to hear, well, you know, if you're a barber, surely you don't need a telephone. I mean, that that yeah. is just a slap yeah. in the face for all the customers. And I think it landed as that way across the community. So yeah. what was it about media and communications that really piqued your interest and I guess gave you the motivation to start your own consulting business? It, it, it was originally out of my PR world and I used to either bring in journalists to train my clients or, you know, or find some other way to make, well, not make, but help my clients be better communicators. And so I brought in journalists and I just knew there was something wrong in the way they were doing it. So what happened was a, a journalist would come in, ask some questions, the, the clients would answer. Then there was feedback about what the answer was like and whatever, but I, but there was no training element to it. So, you know, like a, a good, I always use the analogy, a good football player doesn't necessarily make a good coach. So right. I thought I can do this a whole lot better than what's going on in the marketplace here. And I'm going to put some training principles around it and go into adult learning and education. And because I'd, I'd been taught as a teacher, <laughs> And yes. so that came back into play. And so I went out there in the marketplace and said, yes, we'll, we'll do media training and we'll use journalists and former journalists, uh, but there's going to be something that you can use later on for any type of media interview, not just the one you might be rehearsing for. Yeah. 
Very interesting. So you saw an opportunity to take the skills that you'd been taught, but apply it in a different context that would help others navigate difficult times. And it, it's interesting in most of what I've read about you, it, it talks about your real focus on crisis and issue management. So clearly there's something in there that gets you really excited or passionate to help. Yes, absolutely. Because again, I see people failing and it doesn't need to be that way. I mean, Optus was a perfect example. You know, it gets all my juices going. I'm like, no, yeah. no, no, yeah. do it this way, yeah. do it that way. And people are nervous. I mean, speaking, public speaking, whether it's with the media or doing presentation skills or presenting before a royal commission or Senate estimates, says the Optus C- yep. former Optus CEO yep. did. Yep. People are, it's not something they do every day. Politicians do it every day. But it's nerve-wracking. You've got cameras on you, you've got aggression. And I love to help people manage that and show them there is a way to do that with using the skills that we teach that they can manage it. You know, it's never going to be comfortable because it's not comfortable. That's just it. People would rather die than do public speaking. So it's about... Politicians who are looking to scorecard. Yeah, exactly. So it's just about... You know, the the thing that really excites me still 25 years later in this business, which is a long time, is watching people go from being really, really nervous. And I'm talking senior, yep. senior, senior executives and government officials, mm-hmm. seeing them go from very being very nervous and not being able to communicate how how good they are, adept they are, skilled they are, intelligent they are, how they run companies and organisations really well, going from that to actually just the penny dropping and giving a beautiful interview or um, presentation or whatever it is at the end of the training. So that that is what makes me get out of bed every day. Yeah. Do you find some clients are trying to be ahead of crisis or is it mainly reactive and we've got a crisis and now we need to call Sam in to help us? It, it would seem to me there's a real opportunity for you to get ahead of those curves to be able to help strategies in the event, whatever the crisis is, but in the event that a crisis happens, here's the things that you need to put in place and on this time frame. Absolutely. We talk to our clients. Every good organisation has a crisis management plan. Right. And that is essential. You have to be crisis prepared, particularly if you've got a big brand name because, one, you can lose your job over it, even if you're the yep. CEO, if you don't do well, and, two you can destroy the brand very quickly yep. and share price more to the point. So yes. every good organization or any organization of any size or anything really has yep. to have a plan. But what often happens is they might have a crisis response plan, but they don't yep. have a crisis communications plan. Interesting. Right. Yeah. And, and it's different. a big difference. Yeah. Big difference. A huge difference. You can clean up a crisis, clean up the yes. technology or whatever's going on and you might be doing a great job at that behind the scenes but if you can't communicate that well you sunk as well yeah and i think looking back at the optus thing and i've been to pick on optus but it's topical right now uh, it it struck me that they didn't really know how to engage with their customers and engage with the government at a moment when they were trying to figure out things so perhaps they didn't have that communication plan in place Look, I, I don't know because they're not one of our clients, thank goodness, yep. um, sure. because of that performance. Um, yep. But I can't believe they wouldn't have had that. And the other thing that could have happened is that the senior executives hadn't done any media training or right. crisis media training. 
or they haven't done the simulation to test that or they haven't looked at their crisis plan for a while and so they were reacting which is beggars belief because only the year before less than a year before they'd had the yes. same situation exactly. and was slammed on the communications as well so yeah. you know do i feel sorry for the ceo no because there weren't lessons learned and that's not a good ceo so that's a that's a great transition into talking about how lessons get learned can you think of in your journey a failure or a feedback or something that presented you with a, a brick wall that really hit you in the gut and you're knocked off your A game. And how did you overcome that? Yes, boy, there's been, as a small business owner over a long period of time, there's been a lot of those, but you know, I'm the eternal optimist and yep. as a crisis communications consultant, I function best when I've got a crisis. However, recently, I had a lack of my own corporate governance and that, that was yep. a really big lesson for me. And I was challenged by a subcontractor who'd worked with me for 15 years yep. and I didn't have a current contract in place. Mm -hmm. I'd had earlier ones and yep. then there was a bit of a groundswell with other subcontractors in the business. And very sadly, because it was sad for me on a personal level, let alone a business level, it was a crisis on a personal uh, on a business level. Yep. That subcontractor just picked up the phone and rang ATO and reported me for non-payment of superannuation. Yep. And that was huge because mm -hmm. that was many years of superannuation. It would have brought my business down. I was couldn't believe it because we were friends in business, mm -hmm. um, that person had worked with me for a long, long time. And there was a lot of loyalty there both ways. And mm -hmm. I just didn't imagine. So it was lack of my governance and, yep. you know, you can trust people, but you have to protect yourself. So it was horrible. I had three months of sleepless nights after, yep. you know, 20 years of business yeah. and waiting for the ATO to do their review, um, which yep. fortunately, because I'm talking to you. And still yep. in business, yep. they ruled that um, that person and others in the business were subcontractors. And so there wasn't any payment of superannuation needed. And it wasn't yeah. that I was trying to be smart. If I needed Not to pay it, I would. And so, in those years that you were working together, you were working together under a set of assumptions. They were working under, or perhaps not, they saw an opportunity to come back. I think that the... the these are a challenge that small business owners don't always know exist until it happens to you. That sense of real rawness and personal attack of integrity at the same time as managing a business risk, that's a really confronting thing to deal with. Do you remember some of the things you did to remind yourself or, or help you get through that? Well, I think I just had to back myself. That's how I got mm -hmm. through it. I had yeah. to back myself and, and tell myself that I hadn't done anything wrong, I thought, right. and mm -hmm. that I had to just fight it all the way. So I didn't fight it myself. And one of yep. the other lessons I've learned in business is stay in your lane. I'm good at words. I'm shocking yep. at numbers. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And bring in the experts. Bring in yep. people who know what they're doing. It's their strength and expertise. Yep and pay them and get things done. So I brought in, I had to bring in two lawyers yeah. 
tax lawyers and contract lawyers and, yes. and yeah. whatever. And I had to listen to them. So I did yeah. everything they told me. And yeah. um, fortunately, that was the right way to go. And I always say afterwards, calm as a bitch. Yes. Oh, for sure. And I think that's a really interesting point that you make. I think often small business owners don't know the full spectrum of what they're dealing with necessarily. They're in business because, like you, are passionate about something and helping others. And when that passion is challenged from a threat, you can pull internal and you can pull away from those around you that, that can help you navigate. And it's a good reminder you're not on your own. That's right. And in small business, you don't have a lot of resources. So you don't have necessarily a human relations department or um, a separate sales and marketing department and a separate finance department. I mean, you know, I I think probably I want to qualify that because my whole pursuit in business, and it's very different to many others in small business, my whole pursuit in small business has been about having a lifestyle business rather than building an enterprise and something that was going to list on the stock exchange. And not a lot, not everyone is the same, but that's what I wanted to build. So as I'm not building an enterprise, I don't need to have separate functional departments. It's just not. people doing what you do. You pull in the skills and techniques of others to come on the journey when you need them. That's right, exactly. And that's exactly what I did. And when you're using some subcontractors in serving your clients, how do you manage the quality of what they're delivering? Have you put them through your own program or how do you make sure that what they're representing is the media maneuvers way, not just the subcontractors way? Yes, that's exactly what we do. So we operate throughout Australia. So our brand needs to be consistent. So we yeah. deal with multinational companies and Australia-wide companies. So they need a whole organization approach and mm-hmm. we have trainers in every state. So mm-hmm. we do, we developed all of the courses and training material and we train our trainers in that, but we don't overtrain them because they're from all different forms of media, mostly current affairs, um, news, business, finance, but yep. we want them to have their own personality in the training as well, rather than be a media maneuvers right. robot. Mm-hmm. So we train them they use the materials they're all customized they do a lot of work in in terms of customizing it for the client and then we assess that in the early days obviously when they're trained we're with them when they're training and we see them through to being a good trainer but we have feedback mechanisms from every single trainee every single course that we've done over the last 25 years we have a feedback system and we know if there's any issues at all. And of course, we talk to our clients. And so yeah. we have ongoing quality control, and which we don't really need because our trainers, of course, are fantastic. Right. Yeah, very good. Well, switching gears a little bit, um, can you think of an example where you perhaps had a plan or a, a way that you were looking to navigate a problem or, or any sort of issue that comes up in your business and things didn't go as you planned? At what point do you identify things are not going, that maybe you're spinning your wheels and that you need to course correct? How do you go through that process? That happened recently, actually, and again, comes back to... I suppose after a long time in the one business, you can't help, I suppose, but become complacent. And so we have been doing things the same way, with the same materials, 
with the same website, which is going to be a new one soon, uh, for yeah. a long time. And yes, we're, we're incredibly successful. I mean, we're the leading organization in Australia. And so you, to some degree, rest on your laurels. And that is mm -hmm. so wrong. I was taught myself a lesson recently because I've got um, my fantastic general manager, shout yeah. out to Lou, uh, we love Lou, coming into the business as a partner shareholder. And so I needed to, for her future benefit, look at the business again. So we mm -hmm. did and we have. And I wish I'd done it 10 years ago because I wouldn't be talking to you. I'd be in the Bahamas on an island somewhere, <laughs> just enjoying a pina colada, I would say. However, yeah. that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but we brought in a specialist again, bringing in the people with the expertise who mm -hmm. looked at the business from top to bottom, every system, every area oh, of the yeah. business. Yeah. And she just found our biggest weakness and we've just reinvented our product offering wow. with a much better, more lucrative, but also better for the client. So what that was, was we used to, we do and used to, and still will do one-off courses, for example. Yep. But communications is not just about media. If you think about uh, senior executive, they need to be able mm -hmm. to do media well. They need to be able to yeah. present well internally, externally. They need to present to the board well. They might have to go to government inquiry. They might have to face activists and aggressive people. So there's a whole range of different types of communication skills a senior executive needs to succeed. So yeah. we do all of that, but we've never put it all together. Sounds stupid. So wow. now we've got a new product we're launching to the market, which is exactly that. It's a program over a year or 18 months or six months or whatever, which is called yes. the executive communicator. So, I mean, it's fantastic. a no-brainer. That's yeah, a no-brainer, but why didn't we do this 10 years ago? And that was an insight that came from you being vulnerable enough to understand the opportunity to have someone come in. And yes, it was in, in light of Lou's uh, joining in and becoming a shareholder. But it's often painful to hear other people's insights in your business. But turning that into now you've got a completely new product offering that gives you the opportunity to enhance what you do for your clients. Those are the offerings there, right? Yeah. Um, look, I, I am always really open to feedback, yep. criticism if it is. Um, from clients that we don't get that very often, but I love it yep. because again, that's how you learn lessons and that's how you get better. So yes. if you don't want to listen to people's opinion of the way you do things or who you are or your processes, then eventually you're going to fail because yeah. you're not listening. Listening is so important to help you improve. Yeah. I've been talking a lot recently about this concept of listening to feedback rather than resisting feedback. And I think that's a big lesson for, you know, whether you're in shoe manufacturer, like previous guests we've had here, or it doesn't really matter what the business is. If you're not willing to hear what customers have to say, there's no way you can turn the dial on improving that product offering. Absolutely. And, you know, we should be going out more and more to our customers, although everybody's sick to death of doing surveys, mm. but you know, you you need if you know if I was to ask lots of business owners, what do your customers or clients say about you? Mm -hmm. They say, oh, well, they they think we're great. It's like, how do you know that? Mm -hmm. Well, because they buy our products or our services. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
But how do you really know that? Are you really talking to them? I mean, I need to learn a lesson as well. I mean, it's fantastic when you get all the great feedback on the feedback mechanisms that we have. Yep. And it's easy for that to stroke your ego and your business ego. Uh, but for it's, sure. you know, and that's great and you feel good and aren't we terrific and whatever. But it's important, of course, because you want to keep doing the, the things the right way. But the most yep. valuable is when someone gives you honest feedback. And we have yeah. a great relationship with clients who, if they're not happy with something in their business, they will ring me or ring our general manager, Lou. Yep. And we fix yeah. it. Yeah. I think the hardest feedback offers the biggest opportunity. And, you know, no I doubt. think of examples in our business where people have given me some really hard feedback that really kicks me in the gut. But yeah. once you get through the initial pain of, are they really talking about that? <laughs> You then open yourselves and, 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 you know, I want to learn. I want to be constantly looking at improvements and, and how do we meet clients' demands and needs in a way that helps them more than it helps us. Yeah. I mean, a good kick in the bum is invaluable. <laughs> and that's just not, yes. not externally. That's internally yeah. as well because yeah. your people are so precious. You can't deliver everything for your business. You can't. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. work that way. Unless yeah. you're, you know, one person business. Um, yeah. So it's internally is as important as externally. And we tend to focus on our clients and customers and at times forget about what else is important in the business. Yeah. You work in very different industries, schools, corporates uh, and, and government settings. Are the tools and techniques the same? for all of those industries or do you modify or are there things that are more important in one and not as important as in the other? No, the uh, base techniques and tools are consistent across the board. I mean, and it's a, it's a lot about knowing who you're talking to, what they want to hear from you, not yep. what you want to tell them, not your key messages about how wonderful you are. It's yep. about what's their... What are their touch points? What are their drivers? What are their motivators? And then once you understand that completely, and we do a lot of stakeholder mapping with our clients, and it makes people realize that they don't really know some of this stuff. They make assumptions again. Yes. So it's really knowing your stakeholders, your audience, who's important, who's most influential, not getting caught up with the people that complain a lot who really don't make a big difference to your business, satisfying them, but making sure that you are talking to the quiet ones who are the most important. So that's the first thing, really understanding. The second thing is then you have to have content or messages that address those motivators, drivers, what your stakeholders and clients want to hear. And then, of course, it's the delivery. So you can understand, you can have great content and great messages, but unless you deliver it in the right way and, you know, um, I'm uh, again, going back to Optus, poor thing, we're, you know, really yeah. beating Optus up, but it was a lot in the delivery as well. It, there wasn't... It was all in the you know, delivery. It was... All, it, well, some of the messages weren't quite right either and not yeah. understanding yeah. stakeholders. So fail on that, fail on yeah, okay. some yep. of the messaging and fail on the impression, the empathy. And of course that changes from client to client, situation to situation. So one time you might, in your delivery, you might want the impression to be highly corporate, highly, you know, um, intelligent, highly whatever, or 
if you're dealing with humans and things that are affecting humans, and let's face it, we're always dealing with humans, it's that empathy, that compassion, that care that changes for different types of situations and clients. Do you think it's possible for that empathy to outweigh a bad message? Or uh, all three things you mentioned have to be aligned? I think they have to be aligned. I, I don't think you can have empathy and have completely the wrong message because there'll be a disconnect. What The message won't work and the empathy won't work either. So there has yeah. to be some alignment between the way you are as a human and the message you're delivering. But, I mean, the perfect ones are, dare I say it, some of our uh, government clients who we almost play acronym bingo with them because right. they're used to using acronyms and used right. to talking in a certain way. Again, with the emergency services, you know, you, yep. you can see the language they use, that is the language they use within their organisations and with their colleagues, but it's not suitable for the public and public con consumption. So, it's, you know, people start to sound like robots or don't people don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, it struck me earlier when you said that really your role is helping people communicate in a safe way, helping them safe. Yeah, yeah so a safe way and a connected message. Yeah, a safe way and a connected way. You know, a lot of mm -hmm. scientists and engineers, for example, want to prove the point, so they give too much detail, and the message is not the best. Communication is a simple, clear message that everyone gets; they don't have to interpret. Now, scientists and engineers, that's not what they want to do because they want to prove it. They want to give you all the evidence yes. and everything else. Yep. And by the yep. end of all of that over-talking, you don't know what the hell they're trying to actually say. Yeah, we talk a lot internally about let's not communicate like an accountant or a bean counter. Let's try and understand the business perspective that, that our, our clients and our partners are dealing with and communicate in a way that gives them a clear message on what they can and, and what they can do to change the performance. Does that resonate uh, for you as well? Absolutely, yeah, that's mm. for sure. The best type of communication is good, clear, simple communication. And some people think they're dumbing it down and we say you're not dumbing it down and you're actually being a good communicator so that everyone can understand you and it's not open to interpretation. So when things are open to interpretation, that's when the message can go completely the wrong way and you can become a headline. Yes, Interesting. So you've been involved in some pretty big crises in 25 years of doing this. Can you give us an example? You can name names or not name names, but how did you help the business unpack that crisis to be able to build the simple message and the simple communication strategy around it? Yeah, I think, um, again, going back to those principles I was talking about before. So what our clients really love about bringing us in is we are not involved in a, on a day-to-day -day basis in the business. So we're not emotional about it. So we're yeah. removed from that emotion. And lots of crises have lots of emotion. You can imagine all the things yeah. that go on at schools. There's mm -hmm. a lot of emotion. And if there's any deaths or injuries involved, uh, yeah. you know, it's, you know, these, well, our clients know these people. So there's emotion involved. So Right. We just take that out. So they love that. And then we just work through it in a, almost a formulaic way, which mm -hmm. is, okay, so what's the situation? Let's look at what your position is going to be on it. Mm -hmm. Let's look at who we need to be communicating with, what they want to hear, and how we're going to communicate it. Yep. And so, you know, it sounds 
it sounds simple and in lots of ways it is. Uh, but the, when the media gets involved, that can be pretty tough because you're not in control of the media. And in many ways, not control of the time frame. So, okay, in a perfect world, you might have a day, two, three, four days to really put together the strategy. But the compressed time frames of a crisis and the need for an immediate response, how do you how do you balance that with the people you're working with to say, look, haste is not going to get us there in this place. How do you how do you manage those conflicts? Well, the first thing is if you've got a good crisis communications plan as well as your mm -hmm. operational plan that I was talking about before, you will have templates for what after a risk analysis, uh -huh. you will have templates for different things that can go wrong. So the speed of being able to respond can be quite fast because it's almost drop in the crisis scenario, if you like. Right. Other than that, um, and, you know, lots of times you think you've thought of everything that could go wrong and then, you know, the bus driver might do something, the school bus yeah. driver, for example, might do something completely erratic and it's like, wow, yeah. we didn't think that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in corporate crises as well, corporate crisis, uh, you know, if you've got a product, there's so many things that could go wrong with products and mm -hmm. you have to be prepared for that. So it's just you have to do stuff fast. That's all yeah. there is to it and you have to drop everything. And our clients are used to us saying, sorry, we can't get back to you on what you need right now because we're in the middle of a client crisis and we just work quickly. But used you get used to doing things. that as well. Yeah. For sure. It sounds to me like the, or what I'm hearing from you really is the crisis and the circumstance may be vastly different and unanticipated or anticipated, but the principles that you apply in those situations start with the basics in any crisis. Yeah. And I, you know, teach my clients, okay, a crisis is a crisis and it disrupts everything. It's, it gets the heart rate going through the roof, but the crisis in itself can become an opportunity, and I know that sounds unusual. So it's not about the crisis itself often. It's about the way you manage it and mm -hmm. the impression mm -hmm. of other people or other audiences, your stakeholders, of the way you manage it. So a crisis can actually be an opportunity. I mean, for example, mm -hmm. last year when Optus had their crisis, not this time, uh, you may recall that uh, Medibank also had a, yep. a, a data breach. Mm -hmm. And so Optus was caught on the hop, wasn't prepared, didn't appear to have any crisis communications planning. And then Medibank came onto the scene with their data breach. And mm -hmm. the very first thing the CEO of Medibank said was, we are sorry. Mm -hmm. We are sorry for our customers and we will fix this as fast as we can. And this is what we're doing so that mm -hmm. they knew what was going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. and But the first words that came out was, I am sorry. Interesting. So simple and yet so complicated under the pressure and, and all of the things that I'm sure were happening behind the scenes. Yeah. and But that's why it's good to have external experts like us because, again, that's what we do. We know good communication and what's going to land. Yep. You, you will help manage many big crises. And small crises too, I'm sure, and small failures along the way. And I don't think necessarily the degree of the failure is the learning opportunity. Do you see any common themes in the way that some of these things happen? And, and is there common elements that small business owners or insights that you can share that they can use to anticipate failure or, or 
opportunities? Uh, you mean in terms of a crisis happening? Yeah, just in terms of the unplanned events happen and all of a sudden it's challenging the very being of the business. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, crisis by its definition is something that's spontaneous and immediate and immediately disrupts your business or your organisation significantly to the point that if you don't manage it, there is a lot of fallout, whether that's going broke perhaps or mm -hmm. losing customers or whatever it is. But it's if it's not managed well, it's going to affect your business significantly. But a crisis is interesting because the research will tell you that about 75% or 80% of crises are issues management that haven't been managed well. So, you know, obviously terrorism is an instantaneous. You couldn't have had any hint that that was going to happen. But other yep. things, you know, complaints about products, services, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, that all of those, there's triggers that if they're not managed well, can and probably will lead to a crisis. And you think, wow, where did that come from? And then you look back and do a, you know, um, an audit afterwards, and you can see that there were signs that this was going to happen. Interesting. And I think if you layer on the changing geopolitical uh, platform or, or environment that we're working within, that the level or the complexity of some of these things we're talking about is ramped up by things that are completely out of our control. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and often that's true in a crisis, they are out of your control and control is the word that is most important that you need to get back control of whatever it is, whether it's operational mm -hmm. uh, or in the communication side of things, obviously, which is us. So it's taking back as much control as you, you can. And of course, you, you know, you can very rarely in a crisis, we can't have a hundred percent control, but Yep. You can um, anticipate a balance, if you like. And, you know, and it's not, and it's, again, it's about not admitting your failures because we work very closely with lawyers and there's compensation involved, but it's also understanding that you can't also get your lawyers to do your crisis communications because <laughs> yeah. lawyers, when they say don't respond to the media, not, yeah. you know, not so much these days. There's a few younger yeah. lawyers who know about it. But the difference between, and we work with lawyers and we have to because we're not lawyers and we don't want to get the client into any hot water in legally, particularly, yeah. you know, we've got our professional indemnity, but, <laughs> yes. you know, we, we don't want to do anything. So we talk to our clients and say, okay, so your lawyer might have written this and said this and whatever. So what lawyers, are, their expertise is in legal technicalities. So they're mm -hmm. there to protect you legally, whatever yeah. that is, whether it's money, you yeah. know, whatever. Uh, systems. Yeah. Well, no, no, actually, because that's the difference. They're protecting you legally with technicalities of the law. What yeah. we do is reputation protection. Sure. Yep. Yep. And there's a big difference. But yep. that's, often clients don't get that until I have a, a robust discussion with them. For sure. And it sounds to me like there is a, a fine balance between the legalities of your response and still managing the message and delivering it in, in an empathetic way. Yeah, and sometimes it's frustrating because we want sometimes our clients to have me a culpa 
but the lawyers will say, no, you absolutely can't do that. And, you know, that can be a bit frustrating for us because we know that a different type of message would be better. But, you know, we have to respect the function of the lawyers as well. Yeah. Interesting. Small business owner, you wear all the hats. You wear the HR hat. You wear the accounting hat. You wear the, you know, all of the things that go along. How do you manage all of those demands on on you when when your real passion is about delivering a service to your clients to help them be better. And don't forget about being a psychologist as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. Not only for yeah. other people in the organisation, but for yeah, some of the clients as well, which, yeah. you know, which is fine. I don't know. How do you manage that? I just, I suppose I think, well, that's my role and right. I have to. And yeah. there's no good getting upset about it or mm -hmm. stressed about it. I, I think breathing, sometimes sometimes yeah. I have to just stop and walk away, you know, have a cup of coffee or whatever and breathe yeah. and prevent, and I suppose this is the major one for me, is prevent emotion coming into it. Oh, and once... your advice on how to do that. Because <laughs> I get very well, defensive, you know, and it's all yeah, well, damage. It's going to... You know, everything's going to fall apart. It's hard. You, you know, mm. I literally stop myself, but I, I suppose I've trained myself over the years because I'm a fighter, not a flighter. Yeah, and right. so, you know, if someone's going for me, my natural yeah. disposition is to fight back. But right. I know that that doesn't work. So I have to stop, take a breath inwardly and respond in a professional way, in a calm, professional way. And I think that's one. one I don't. It's. I don't do it one hundred percent though. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I can yeah. fail as well. Don't you worry. <laughs> and that's that's probably one of the techniques that I'm trying. I'm still not good at it. I have some people in my life who are very good at triggering my response, and I'm I, slowing down, trying to take some breath. But I think the idea that you just walk away and give yourself a moment to recollect the thoughts, rather than the the that visceral reaction of reading an email or you know taking some hard feedback that's probably yeah. the, the thing that is key to helping be rational in response yeah and we talk to people about that in, in crisis situation or any situation really and that's about instantly recognizing what's going on from the other person whether it's a question or a barrage of whatever yeah and going back to what we call a bridging phrase and in lots of cases of what you're talking about, a bridging, bridging phrase for you would be, I hear what you say. Yep. Let me think about that. And I'd like to think about it and I mm -hmm. will come back to you or um, we'll solve this together. So yep. Yep. it's the bridging phrase is, I hear what you say. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I can appreciate your thoughts at this stage. And that gives and, you just a few seconds to stop yourself from reacting emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's the reminder, Hey, wait, it's okay. And listening, yeah. I think, you know, and you can't understand the situation unless you listen. Um, Absolutely. That's been my experience. Yeah. Uh, you talk and too many people, about... too many people when, when they do media interviews or any sort of Q and A after a keynote or a presentation at a conference or whatever, you know, don't listen properly and lose opportunities because they want to tell them what they want to tell them instead right. of listening to the question yeah. and using it as a platform 
and an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It's been one of the benefits that I wasn't really expecting in this process was just to have real conversations with people who have real insights to share and I would never have thought about it. So yeah, I, listening, I'm trying to listen more. <laughs> it's a great um, skill. You talked about outsourcing in the situation of a, a challenge with a subcontractor, you went to the lawyers. How do you engage with an outsourcer in a way that aligns with your culture, aligns with your the way you've built your business so that they get an understanding of the, the values of your business and can help in a much more effective way? Yeah, so talking about our trainers, we train them and we do yep. say there's a media maneuvers way and this is the this is the image or these are our brand values this is how we want to be seen by our clients and in the marketplace so you know that it's simple things like we had one trainer who was hilarious great guy loved him to death but he used the f word in government circles mm. and mm -hmm. it just went down very badly and I'm like you can't be saying the f-bomb come on you know right. we're a professional we go out right. there and we say we're very professional yep. and you know dress everything again it's that brand impression brand values and yep. we do instill that with the people that, that work for us that are client facing or or mm -hmm. staff facing not just yep. you know internally externally you know you can't be talking to someone in our business that way, if you're not happy with something. You can talk to me that way, but you can't talk to the other people that way. It's not yeah. on. That's yeah. not that's not our brand value. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because by definition, extending uh, the opportunity for an outsourced role or position in your business, they need to understand the context of your business in a way to be successful, right? Yeah. yeah. And after so many years, I can spot uh, <laughs> who is... Yeah, who is a medium maneuvers person and who's never going to be a medium maneuvers person? Yeah, yeah, well, that's a good good skill to have. How do you use financial information to run your business? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we uh, have some good systems in terms of looking at the financials every month. In fact, yep. uh, you just reminded me very early on in this business. I didn't have my finger on the pulse of the financials because yeah. I'll run away as from numbers, you know, like my math teacher would tell me, you can't run away from numbers. My English teacher would say, you're fabulous. The math teacher would say, it's not happening. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> so, you know, it, we naturally go away from things that we don't like to deal with. And that yeah. is so wrong. And I learned a very good lesson very early on. Because one day I woke yeah. up and I thought, but I haven't looked at the financials recently. And I realized that I was $100,000 in the red. Wow. And I nearly wow. had a mental breakdown. I mean, it was it was terrible. I was a single yep. mother. Yep. You know, I needed to feed my child yep. uh, and clothe and everything else. And suddenly I'm $100,000 down. I'm like, what happened? But I took my eye off the ball. So I've never been like that since. And yep. Uh, I always ha have a good, healthy check on the figures, and we do that as a business now together with, you know, like general manager Lou, and we look at it and we assess the numbers and we take action where we need to. Yep. 
Yeah, and I think that's probably a key insight is to look at the financials so you can make informed decisions rather than it'll take care of itself. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, in the current climate, we've noticed in the last couple of months that corporates in particular are not spending as much as they might have in the mm -hmm. previous period the year before. So we have to look at that and, and assess, well, going into Christmas and our quiet time, Mm -hmm. How's that going to affect us and what do we need to do? So yep. we're looking at employing someone else at the moment and it's, well, you know, can we do that right now? Right. Yeah. So it's at each level of the business. Yep. Yeah, very good. Sam, it's always a pleasure talking with you. Have you got any final insight that you would like to share with, uh, with the audience on, on being a small business owner, navigating the challenges, the crises, any Sam insight? Small business is hard. It's very hard. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. exhausting. After yes. a long time, some days I think I'm exhausted. Yeah. However, there's pros and cons to everything. Uh, yep. You know, during my journey, I've thought, you know what, I could go and get a job like my girlfriends or other people in the industry in the corporate world and get paid a squillion. Yep. And then I think... Oh, then I'd have to ask someone if I could have a holiday. And I don't know that I could do that. And what if they said no? Yes. So yeah. I, I think, you know, you have to have resilience. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, yeah. if you don't have resilience, you don't have a healthy ego to back yourself because mm -hmm. you can't have imposter syndrome as a small business yeah. owner. But sometimes you have to make decisions that might not seem the most obvious or clever decisions to make, but you've got a gut feel about it. Sometimes yep. they fail, sometimes they work. For sure. But I think back yourself, know it's going to be tiring, long hours, but remember there's all the other benefits as well and enjoy sure. those. Enjoy your life. Don't die working as a small business yep. owner. Get yourself yep. to the point where you can enjoy your world and have a balance as well. Yeah, fantastic. If listeners would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Well, they can come to our website, of course, which is yep. mediamanoeuvres.com.au. Fantastic. Or find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Sam, thank you for your insightful discussion and, and joining us today. I always enjoy talking to you, but today has been certainly some things I've learned and appreciate that. And I'm, sure, I'm hoping that the audience will also hear some things from you as well. And my final piece of advice actually is yes. to have someone like Chris Kendall in your world when you don't like numbers <laughs> and outsource to the uh, best. And I, I oh, did. Exposed. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Sam. We've, uh, we have had a long working relationship and, and it's always good to be with people who appreciate what we do. Uh, I know for a fact that my team love working for you. Uh, it's a very open and very supportive working relationship and that's really important to us. Thank you, Chris. Well, you've got a marvelous team. They're fabulous. We love them. Perfect. I'm sure they'll appreciate hearing that. So Good. thank you all for tuning in today. You've been listening to the Anti-Failure Podcast. I hope you can take away and implement some of the insights that Sam has shared with us. Thank you again, Sam, and have a great day. Thank you.